0: Hey folks, Anamana here. Thank you for listening to or watching Destiny Beat. Each week we run through the most recent news from Bungie. This week came a little bit early, but we're doing it at the normal time. Um, we also take viewer questions and answers and have discussion. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play or Spotify, or maybe you're watching on YouTube, you can catch this podcast live at twitch.tv slash au That's uh, usually where I stream as well. We record this every Friday at 9pm. It's a little bit earlier today. Uh, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Only five minutes early. Uh, And for international viewers, that is 2 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or Pacific Time and also 10 a.m. Greenwich Mean Time. Hitting like, subscribe and following is also a great way to support this podcast for free. All right. So we are doing the This Week at Bungie for it's actually for me three days ago, uh, the 26th of November. It's actually the 29th for me. I think it's just ticking over to 29th for a lot of other countries as well. So this is for November 26th, a few days ago. So this week at Bungie, we give thanks. It is the Thanksgiving. That's why it's earlier in America and Bungie being an American company. Hello and welcome to an oddly early TWAB entry. It's Tuesday... It's 10 in the morning and we might have caught you off guard. This Tuesday, or this Thursday, sorry, uh, we are celebrating the Thanksgiving in the States. It's a day meant for us to reflect what we're thankful for while spending time with friends and family. We couldn't leave for a holiday without mentioning what we're all incredibly thankful for, you. So, hey, Guardians, like you inspire us every day, from the stories you've shared about the friendships you've made to the tales of how you've earned your favorite loot. Thank you to everyone who stopped by to share their stories over not only the last few weeks, but years of Destiny and Destiny 2. Thank you, dear reader, for being a Guardian. Now, let's get to the news of the week. Uh, We have some community spotlight on a few artists and info for our Black Friday sale, which we will kick off later in the week. I think it might have started now. Uh, Yeah, it's Friday now, right? Before we start... Actually, Black Friday, we're kicking off right now as we've recorded the podcast uh before we start season of dawn begins december 10th 2019 we have a bit to talk about between now and then so this is coming up the season of dawn it's officially called season of dawn it was called that back when shadow keep was launching but it looks like they're stuck with the name they haven't changed it to something else uh previously we saw with season of the drifter it was actually going to be called gamblers what was it called not gamblers run but you know it had had a different name joker's wild that was it Uh, and I think that's what the event was going to be. I think maybe Joker's Wild was going to be Gambit Prime or something, but, uh, they, they've kept the name for Season of the Dawn. It's a week between it going live as well, which has a few people a little bit concerned, but, uh, they've done this in the past. So it's going to be at 10 a.m. Pacific on the 4th of December, 2019. I'll probably be streaming. I'll be co-streaming it once that rolls around. We'll be chatting about it. Uh, Maybe have some discussion afterwards on what we think is going to be coming. It's going to be on Twitch, YouTube, and Mixer, so you can catch that there. Uh, Yeah, for the reveal of the new season. So, we're going to have a little bit of discussion later in the podcast about what we think of the current season, season of Undying and wrapping up, and what we can expect in the next season. So, holiday shopping. Thanksgiving dinner is a thing between you and the holiday season. Black Friday at Bungie Store begins on November 28th at 9pm Pacific Time we have new gear including t-shirt collectible and accessories that make the perfect holiday gifts for guardians in your life or you know perfect gifts for yourself ah uh, the sweetest loot of all up to 50% off on a black friday sale merchandise so you can get a whole bunch of this stuff here uh check the show notes if you do want to see the picture here of all the stuff or you can just go to the bungee store you can actually even get an emblem there so it might even be worth jumping on there now and getting something i might do that myself even and also, once you purchase something on the Bungie store, if there's any emblems tied to it, you get that emailed straight away too. Every purchase through December 9th, 2019 at 11.59pm uh, Pacific Time will include free Destiny 2 exclusive emblem. Additionally, any purchase of $50 or more will receive a exclusive limited edition Destiny art print uh, while supplies last. European residents shopping on Bungie Store EU will have access to a free emblem with purchase promotion and can expect more extensive product availability before the end of this year. So it might be a little bit less for, uh, for the, the people in Europe. Artist Alley. We're pleased to announce the Bungie Store Community Artist Series of official merchandise featuring artist art from the Destiny community. Please join us in celebrating our creative talent and, uh, telling people in the community with these limited edition collectible products each artist receives a share of the revenue from their product sales so they are getting something out of this uh, the program is currently by invite only and we plan on adding more designs soon so this is a time if you're an artist and you've been doing art so make sure that you're tagging bungee personnel or Bungie the on twitter you know bungee the account um maybe, maybe get them to notice you first wave of committee artist series merchandise will be available pre-order uh, when, you know, basically right now, November 28th at 9 PM Pacific time. Sergei Parshikov, Parish, Parishkov? is that it? Done this vermilion print. You can, again, check that in the, the show notes there for the link. Hi, this is uh, Zoya. You can read it if you've read Zalo and D1. Avoid Warlock who draws boring, mostly monochrome picks. My love for Destiny is based on two things. Awesome mix of fantasy and sci-fi, the use of Swiss graphic design traditions, and attention to in-game branding like Haka. I'm always searching for details which not everyone notices. I can watch a wall texture for tens of minutes on how light draws Shrieker's shape. This inspires me. I'm convinced that observing, analysing, and mixing opposite elements to create something new are the keys to awesome results. Okay, so Brian Monkus... Uh, and this one is the last, and looks like it's Crota and also Eris on that picture. You can again check that in the show notes. Hi, my name is Brian Monkus or Mr. Monkus, For some that might know me by my social media handles. I'm a part-time freelance artist and I've been creating some scribbles since I was a little kid with notebook, paper and a number two pencil. Currently, I work digitally in Procreate on the iPad Pro with a much more indirect approach to painting. Most of my work carries a darker vibe to it with influence from traditional charcoal work to iconic classical illustrations from artists such as Frank Frazetta. I love the Destiny universe and the stories within it so I'm constantly finding inspiration for new works. Ian Pestridge with Triarch. We've got uh, some of the characters there with the one-eyed mask. Uh, looks like Nezarek Sin and also with the Celestial Nighthawk uh, helmets there. After studying visual art at university, I now work in the games industry as an art director. My inspirations are diverse, but notable are Ian McCraig, uh, Katsu Shiru, Otomo, and Gustav Dore. So, I'm actually just going to skip this song. I don't know why that's on the podcast list. But anyway, stylistically, work is tonal. We utilize color sparringly and purposefully. Uh, Detailed work like etch-like hatching and uh texture along with lighting composition and mood are key to the style i create that art that excites and challenges you in uh style and subject something visually arresting my art allows me to express more of the enjoyment of destiny favorite aspect of how to create and support the community and devs are then so that is all the art pieces there next up We have the uh, holiday helpers, which is the player support team. So even through the holidays, we keep tabs on our services to make sure things keep running. Our player support team will be lively in the forums, leaving no stone unturned as we continue to investigate issues in the live game. This is their report. Okay. So Google Stadia and Chrome extensions. Last week, Destiny, the collection launched on Google Stadia. Since launch, we've been closely monitoring reports for player impacting issues on our local help forum. This week, we'd like to highlight an issue which can emerge when players have Chrome extensions enabled while playing Stadia in their Chrome browser. In some cases, Stadia players have reported that The Chrome extensions can interfere with keyboard inputs during Destiny 2 gameplay. If for example a player has a Chrome extension which uses the R key hotkey, the R key may be unresponsive during gameplay. In all cases, we recommend players remain aware of which Chrome extensions they have enabled and be prepared to disable them in the event they interfere with gameplay inputs. Alternatively, players can choose to rebind their keyboard inputs in the Destiny 2 settings menu. If players encounter other general issues with key bindings, they should restore them to the defaults and set them again. More information, you can check the Google Stadia player should... uh, should uh check the the stadia guide there so i think i might even touch on that later in the show because the stadia launch has been something Holiday Support. This Thursday and Friday, Bungie will be closed in observance of the Thanksgiving holidays in the United States. Rest assured our our Bungie Network Operations Center will remain staffed to monitor services across Destiny 1 and 2 and the Companion app. In the event of a service interruption, players can receive the latest news by following Bungie Help on Twitter or monitoring the support feed on help.bungie.net. So, Movies of the Week. Cornucopia. Feast your eyes in the smorgasbord of artisanal treats. Stuffed with the finest content of our community creations page has to offer. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't read that right. Uh, look, I get that this intro went in a little bit over with the food references. It's almost Thanksgiving and all I can think about is turkey. Deal with it. So we've got uh, Movie of the Week. Optimal damage per second. Who is this by? It doesn't mention. But anyway, it is an Alters of she- or Olders of Sorrow, Brutal Haste, Triumph. And they've gone through that. It looks like it's an Italian player. Let's pull this together. So you can see some pretty high level play there, I'm guessing. And also if you want to see how destiny sounds in Italian, good thing to check there. Uh, Honorable mention, Thin Line, Destiny 2 Montage. There is this also you can check. And then another honorable mention, Undying Yeet. looks like they've yeeted the Undying Mind with that current exploit where you can basically uh, queue up your finisher by doing a melee instead and then you go up to a boss or something and you go and just use a melee and it pushes the boss so check that out editor's note yes yeah, so we see you throwing bosses off the map this is an example of their revenge so i'm guessing maybe the uh the bosses has them i probably need to check that one later honorable mention wait for it there's a lot of them today um mark of the week movie of the week sorry i always see motw as mark of the wolves because i'm used to fighting games um, the Vex shouldn't have invaded the moon. We got that one there and that is by Loco by the looks of it. Check that one. So, let's say you're looking for a new emblem to sport. You think you have some footage worthy of movie of the week. Submit your video to the community creations page and maybe you'll take home the prize next week. In a bit of a light week, we'll be back over just over a week uh with reveal for Season of the Dawn. So just I guess we're going to know about Season of Dawn before the next TWAB. So maybe we'll start to see some patch notes as well. Uh, we'll, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> we'll have a patch note preview for Destiny Update 2.7.0, bringing a few quality of life changes to the fold. I'm looking at you, Escalation Protocol Armor. Cheers, DMG04. So that is the This Week at Bungie for this week. All right, next up, we're talking about thoughts on Season of the Undying. So uh, Season of the Undying ran from October 1st, and it's running through to December 10th. Uh, what have we had from uh, I've got the page up here so we can have a quick look over what we've had. We've had the Vex, uh, the invasions, and also the Vex Offensive. So you can see these there. So that was public events, extensions of public events where you're fighting the gate lords and also, uh, what do you call it? Gate lords and the overlords. I mean, that was just an, another fun little thing to do. That's fine. It was thematic, which is what you want. We had the vex offensive. I think I'll touch on that a little bit, a little bit further down the track, because I got, I mean, in this podcast, I've got some uh, some strong thoughts about this. I think it was good to have a bit of a change, but I think I think there was a few ways they went about it that kind of missed the mark. But you know, at the end of the day, we we paid ten dollars for this. We also had the first look at a seasonal artifact so that was good to try that out i mean a lot of the stuff in this season was a lot of trial and error because we hadn't had anything i mean we'd had a season before but we hadn't had uh the battle pass we hadn't had the the seasonal artifact and a few other things like that as well so a lot of trial and error in this season i think that's fine we had the seasonal pass rewards uh such as these armor sets leviathan's breath we got the two weapons from the season pass the the auto rifle and the machine gun. We had Ariana's Vow as well. Uh, and even three players got the Ariana's Vow, which was cool, also. So, uh, we had this, the substitutional alloy armor sets. We had the Vex offensive and also the Vex invasion weapons. Uh, we had Leviathan's Breath, which I think, I mean, it's got a place in Destiny. It's a heavy bow. We had the seasonal pass. With the season ranks, which was... I think it was pretty good, but... I think the biggest miss with this was the fact that... They're given a lot of stuff... Up front, and then it kind of... As you go through the season... I mean, if you're paying, you're always getting something. Uh, you're getting a bit of a boost. But when it gets to rank 100 every 5 levels you're getting something. Like even if we didn't get one of these nostalgic engrams, it would have been nice to maybe get some resources or maybe a little bit of bright dust. Something in between to make a level feel like a level because a level without any progression is just a number when it comes down to it. I think that's the biggest miss with the season ranks. Was there should always be a reason to get a level. Um yeah, and I mean, what was this the uh the Gatelord's eye also had where you could get bonus power. I think that was pretty good. We saw players getting up to 1000 power. Um, I mean, there was no real carrot on a stick other than having a big number to get to that level. But after getting a whole bunch of experience, you've got one overall power level for your whole account, which was, I think, pretty cool. and allowed players to slowly get better and better without completely breaking the game. I think that was a nice balance. And what else do we have here? So then we go over what we had for players who were paying and those who weren't so season pass owners they instantly got ariana's valve rather than having to get up to uh season rank 35 we had the six player vex offensive activity which is something we had the exotic quest for leviathan's breath seasonal armor sets we mentioned that and ornaments as well there was also ornaments for the weapons the two weapons we got in the season pass uh, and or seasonal ranks we got new triumphs bounties and seasonal lore books uh, exotic emotes a ship an ornament and a finisher plus there's also eververse stuff right uh, and then additional season pass rewards there was a whole track for premium and then free players got their free seasonal rewards which is good they got access to the gate lord's eye also they could participate in the vex offensive not in the vex events of themselves but actually in the vex invasions on the moon the public events so they at least got part of that uh, they could unlock seasonal armor sets, substitutional alloy by just going through the actual same progress that everyone else would except they just didn't get a set right from the outset uh climbing through season ranks again yeah i mentioned that before so what i feel like was a miss with this was the biggest miss I think was the Vex Offensive. So, we got to consider, when we're looking at this, we need to consider a few things. The first is that whenever there's a major expansion drop, the season is always going to take a little bit of a backseat. I think we probably got a lot more of this season than we did last season with Season of the Outlaw uh i mean last season as in last time an expansion dropped with season of the outlaw because that was kind of just the underlying thing it was more of just the system changes there wasn't a whole lot to it other than maybe some eververse stuff uh so there was quite a bit in comparison for what you get uh for a cheaper price as well you didn't have to buy the whole season pass to get access to this you could buy it piecemeal if you wanted you could buy it this month without buying shadowkeep you had a lot of flexibility with this but i feel like The Vex Offensive was... There wasn't a lot to it. It was a cool concept. It was basically Menagerie Light. Um, The the main issue with it was that it was always the same. Nothing changed about it. Maybe uh, the way some enemies would spawn was a little tiny bit different sometimes. Um, But at the end of the day, it needed a bit of variation to it. Whether or not maybe one week it would have instead of having the minotaur boss at the end maybe it had a giant you know uh what do you call it cyclops at the back maybe it teleported around the place or something maybe it was like a float i don't know a floating cyclops or uh maybe there was a lot of exploding goblins or or fanatics and and goblins around you kind of had to survive as long as you could and maybe you get a higher score and i don't know there were probably different ways they could have expanded upon that. Uh, and, it, and it only had to be like little simple changes. Because I feel like... They didn't need to go overboard with... I guess creating it as big as the Menagerie. But as long as it had a little bit of variation to it... It would have been easier to swallow. And then when we had the Undying Mind finale... And we may get more. We got like a week or two left with the Season the Undying. I feel like... Having it on the roadmap for uh, for the season of the Undying, the final thing, you kind of assume this is probably going to be something big and then when it turned out that it was literally just the boss swapped around for a different type of boss or type of enemy, so from a, a Minotaur to a Hydra, with no changes in uh, you know, no changes in the actual process of that final boss fight except for the fact that it shoots harpies at you and it has shields around it um there wasn't much difference to it so I think that was one bit of a miss it could have been could have at least had more to that battle maybe it was harder maybe it had more health pull maybe I don't know I think that's pretty that's probably too basic but you know maybe maybe it teleported maybe it would um have a wipe mechanic or something like that so you had to really get it down before it maybe got to the third plate you needed to kill it by then otherwise everyone would wipe Maybe, I don't know. There are probably ways they could have done it, but I feel like it was just very dampening to go into that final Vex offensive and it was just the same thing with a different coat of paint. And also, I think going with how Shadow Keeps kind of played out so far, it left us on a note where, like a note of uncertainty, like halfway through speaking a sentence and then just as you're going to get to the point of that sentence of what you're trying to say, they just stop talking kind of something like that uh what i was gonna say as well there was also a big lead up in the tower so Ikora was an npc that finally got repurposed so we could purchase vex bounties from that we could also get uh what else was there vex bounties there was also um the weapon the weapon the vex weapon seed weapons were the frames in the tower had no purpose to them That was, I I think that was actually the biggest loss for this whole season was that you have these weapons that are dropping in the Vex invasion the Vex offensive but then you've also got weapon frames to make them in the tower and I feel like you're having them drop that frequently that there's no reason to add another source of getting those weapons so you end up having all this currency sitting in your bank and you're sitting in your postmaster and I I think that was the biggest loss because maybe those weapons should have been completely different Maybe they could have been, like, a version 2 of those weapons. So, like, Adhorative, you know, Mark II, where it's a little bit more powerful. Maybe it had different rate of fire or something like that. There wasn't enough, I guess, differences between them. And the other thing was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, right? Because I'm trying to hold back, you know, being really brutal about it because, A, it is... Alongside a massive expansion and a major system change, uh, maybe it was a little bit lighter this season because Season of Dawn is going to be a pretty big season, so they just wanted to get something out, so you had something to do alongside Shadowkeep when it launched, and then maybe the next seasons are going to be bigger. I guess we'll see next week when we do have that that big event happening. But uh, yeah, those are my main thoughts about it. The Leviathan's Breath was fine as a weapon; um, it has its place in Destiny 2. It's basically like the Tractor Cannon tied to a bow, right? Without the, the debuff mechanics. Uh, what else did we get? We got Ariana's Val. I'm not a hand cannon user, so I c- can't really comment on that. I like the, the Nightfall mods as well. These mods actually added quite a bit to the game. <clears throat> what else did we get? I mean, these weapons are fine. The armor is fine. They're, they're thematic. It's cool to have something else to use to stick to a style. Absolutely. And then as for... <clears throat> as for these seasonal Ranker Awards... The boosting stuff, I guess, is cool, but... I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. There's just... It feels like there's something just missing to the Ranker Awards. But at the end of the day, I, I always remind myself that it was $10. I got a whole bunch of stuff. You know, in comparison to... Look at this. This... Uh, this... Ornaments. I would probably have to pay, like, $30... Or $20 or something like that. Or $10. I don't know how much it is. Just to get that ornament set. So if you consider that. All the stuff you get for paying for $10. There's actually quite a lot of stuff you get. In comparison to having to actually buy it separately through the Eververse. Or through grinding out bright dust here. Um, I mean. What we got for $10. At the end of the day was actually pretty good. But. I think in terms of presenting it. Uh, it could be refined a little bit I think that's probably the real big takeaway is that the presentation of how impactful something is going to be will be presented a little bit better like the the Vex Offensive Final Assault and also the other thing I was going to say is that the, the positive for this is that this season and also the start of Shadowkeep has planted a lot of seeds coming for future seasons so we'll probably actually be returning to a lot of the stuff we learned in this season being like oh so that's what that was about we also had uh, Ikora in the tower, I forgot to mention before, who was leading up with, week by week, she was building this portal. And I think it was pretty cool that we were like, oh no, is she going to invite Vex into the tower and it's all going to go to hell again? And then we find out that it's basically a amplifier kind of mechanism that goes on the portal and the Black Garden in the Vex Offensive. So that kind of blew my mind that, oh, I didn't even think it could be something like that. And what that thing was designed for was to hone in on the Undying Mind and bring it through. So our, our kind of like, you know, MacGuffin kind of mindset behind it was that <clears throat> every time we go into the Vex Offensive and doing it, we're killing the Undying Mind from another timeline. And the next time is a different timeline and repeated. And obviously we could probably never, you know, there's infinite timelines. As, as soon as you think of another timeline, there's probably another timeline. So I think... The story for the next season is probably going to go around. We can't maintain this. We need to find a solution to completely destroying the Vex. So I think that's that's the path we're going to be going down. Uh, Apparently the next season is going to be a reset of the timeline. That's what they're saying about. I don't know. Maybe it's going to have something to do with Zyrus. It's season of the dawn. Uh, Yeah. Those are my thoughts of season of the undying. It's bittersweet. There was good. There was a few kind of rough edges, but all in all, it was good to have something to do. I'm probably not going to go into Vex Offensive ever again. Uh, I mean, it's going to be going away. That's the other side of it, is that it was content that was relevant at the time and then it won't be going away. This isn't content you paid for. It was content you paid to access with some things you also got. So this is the new process of what they're doing with Destiny is that we're going to, instead of having um, you buy a season... Or you buy the expansion you buy all the seasons and then you get these bits of content that are getting added to the game instead the way around it is you're buying shadowkeep or you're buying the expansion and then each season you're paying like a ten dollar fee to access that for the whole season and you're also going to get some stuff you get to take home as well such as the weapons and armor and ornaments and resources as well emblems and all those bits and pieces so it's a we're in a big transitional shift for destiny A lot of uh, familiarity and, I guess, expectations need to change, really, when it comes to Destiny because it's a game as a service, after all. It is not a like a Final Fantasy where you buy the game and it's always going to be the same thing. Destiny has never been a a standalone game that is always going to be what you see is what you get. It is constantly evolving and shifting and changing. Things go, things come back, things get nerfed, things become unavailable. Um, so it's just the nature of a online service game. Kind of like an MMO, but not quite. So that's my thoughts on the Season of the Undying. I hope that was some interesting discussion. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. And uh, I think next up we're going to talk about the Stadia. Okay, so next up we're talking about the Google Stadia launch. I need to preface this with this is all secondhand information if you want to go and see how it runs definitely check out a maybe a, a YouTube site like the IGN channel or uh, maybe something like GameSpot because I don't have any experience with it. So the Stadia as far as I know it is a region blocked in Australia. Uh, there's no release date for it in Australia and also Uh, Yeah, I can't access the app. I can't even download the app. So I've I've also got a a tab here where I can show you If I Google Stadia, it's got 129 US dollars. I can see the URL says store.google.com Slash product slash stadia if I go to it I Get oh look, I actually have a not available um, before, what it would actually do is it would go to the page of the Google Home stuff. So it's just saying it's not available, and we can sign up for it. So that's a little, that's at least something. I think what I would have gotten was I would have had uh, the connected home page. It would have gone straight to here. This is what I would have gotten instead. Learn something new every day, but it is not currently available in Australia. I'm region blocked from it. Um, maybe something wasn't saved. Yeah. Before I recorded this, I had some of my. Um, my user interface shift around which is really weird but anyway uh, we've got some we've got some live discussion happening problems with the stadia launch i mean we're all expecting something to happen right let's just go over a little bit of history with how online streaming systems have worked we've had what on live was there another one called like gaikai or something like that and now we've got stadia so these are the way it works is for anyone that doesn't understand is that you have an app maybe you've got a web browser maybe you've got a tv plugin or something like that What it's doing is nothing is saved on your end of your system. What is happening, PlayStation Now is another one, Uh, what is happening is there are servers in your country overseas and they are running the game and they're projecting that footage back to your system that is running the Stadia or whatever program software. OnLive came out in like 2006, maybe 2009, I can't remember. It was way too early. We didn't have good enough internet for it. It was a really cool idea, but unfortunately unfortunately, it was too early for a lot of the problem. And I'm, I'm really going to hit home on this is that the real reason why I feel like we have problems with this stuff is because there is a lot of blindness and a lot of hubris around uh, I guess big tech companies over in countries where they have really good internet and they don't consider that in other countries maybe it isn't as consistent. Uh, I think that's the biggest problem and I think the other side of it is there's engineers that want to make something really cool they say, hey we can do this and they've probably got people up up the you know top of the chain that're like yeah that's a good idea we do that you do it make it work and if you don't make it work, well you know, Everything's going to go bad for you. Um, I think that at least that's what I assume is how it works. But I think it was really too early for the Stadia. And I think the reason why Australia doesn't have it is because our internet is very, very inconsistent. Uh, we're actually like, hang on. How how much do we rank? Hang on. Australia. Um, broadband. Ranking. Here we go. Australia is 62nd in the world for global broadband. uh speeds. However, our mobile data is at our fifth place, so for our speeds. So just a little bit of knowledge there that Australia, while we are a first world country, our internet is pretty, pretty terrible in some places. Um not even in other countries, but uh even other people in the next country over. Yeah. So we we have basically our government has um without going into you know too much basically what's happened is we had dial-up we got adsl and cable then we started to get something called the national broadband network which is the nbn and we had a as far as i know i don't know all the details uh, we had a a uh, company come in rolling out this fiber to everywhere in australia and the government comes in and goes well we don't really need it to be that good and they've kind of dampened the quality a bit and it's gradually gotten worse and worse so our fiber network is kind of a joke at the moment it's great in some places in other places it's really bad Uh, rural Australia would probably have really bad internet too I've actually just moved an hour from Melbourne so my internet's actually pretty good luckily but uh, I don't think that's going to be the 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 same especially for people in in really old neighborhoods as well but Stadia launch has been very inconsistent from what I've seen personally watching GameSpot and IGN and stuff is that no matter how good your internet is you can either have the best experience where it works as intended you'd have a little tiny bit of lag where it's noticeable and it's like well maybe I won't play Destiny and on the other side of it you've had people that it's like they'll press the button to jump and four, four seconds later the character will jump so it is wildly inconsistent with how it works and even the, the messaging around it about... Make sure that you've got all your devices turned off for the internet and all those kind of weird ways to get it to run perfectly. You know, Wi-Fi is always probably going to be really average in terms of quality, but even on wide connection, people have had problems with it, things interfering with it. Um, So it is not as stable and it is not working as intended for a lot of people. I think places like France are having a really bad time of it. I don't know about how every country is running it. Maybe in the comments, let us know. But... The Stadia launch has been less than desirable. Um, The other side of it was that not everyone's actually really really received their Stadia yet. They've even had people from Google saying on Twitter, Hey, what's your order number? I'll go and drive it out to your house because you're nearby to me. Which is really, really weird. Uh, Especially a company like Google and they can't get distribution right. Something's a little bit off for that. The other thing I'm really worried about the Stadia is that Google has a history of making something and then... Uh, cancelling it a few years later. Uh, The RSS reader, Google Reader was fantastic. There was no reason to remove it and then they got rid of it for some reason. Google Wave was, I don't know, it was probably a bit too early for its time but yeah, it is what it is. So Destiny 2 has been on it now or it's actually a free game that's bundled with this idea so maybe if you are confident with how your internet speed is going to work with it, you probably should have a fine time. Uh, Maybe I would... Potentially, if you know someone that has a Stadia, maybe see if they can bring the Stadia over to your house and try out your connection with it before you maybe take the plunge at the moment because it seems a little bit inconsistent and you could fork out $129 USD and basically be throwing that money down the drain. Uh, We don't have full information on how well the bug is going to be rolled out or ironed out, but it is what it is. So with Stadia, if you have a Stadia Pro subscription, which is in the Founders and also the Premiere Editions. What you get is Destiny 2, the collection, which is Destiny 2, including all the expansions, Forsaken and Shadowkeep, so it's really cool. You also get a Season Pass. I don't know if the Season Pass is for all seasons or if it is is for this current one. You can cross-save your character from PC or PlayStation or Xbox and bring it over and use it on Stadia. However, note that if you're buying Stadia and you're playing the full version of the game with every single piece of content unlocked, you can't then go over to PlayStation, cross-save your account, and expect to use Forsaken or Shadowkeep because it's just not, not the way it works. You need to purchase those separately on every platform, except Stadia comes with it for free. The other side of it is that on every other platform except for Stadia, if you were to buy a Season Pass, That will then apply to your Bungie.net account. And then if I was playing on PlayStation, I bought that Season Pass and I went over to Xbox, I would still have access to the Season Pass. I just would need to buy Forsaken and Shadowkeep. So there are a little bit of weirdness with, I think it's just the way the systems are different kind of thing, but they've got the setup guide here for if you want to go over how it all works. Um, But I think this, this discussion is more about how Stadia has been uh, looks like they're having a few problems with how things are working, aim smoothing and stuff like that. Uh, especially people have, you know, motion sickness. You got the Chrome extension problems we were talking about in the TWAB. So, I mean, it's all early days for this, This um, all early days for the way the Stadia is. It had an, had a rocky launch. I think it was kind of be expected for something that relies on the internet to completely run in its entirety. I mean, you look at Chromebooks and they run fine because they're just doing word processing or they're just doing, you know, uh, what, what can I say? Like YouTube videos and stuff like that. When it comes to a game and there's so much data getting transferred across, uh, things change quite a bit. So OT1 says, surprise that Stadia have their own servers rather than being integrated in the PC environment. I guess when it comes down to it, right? That'd be cross-play, which we don't have. Um, and as soon as they open the floodgates, I think... I think as soon as they open the floodgates to that I would then get console players going well why can't I play on PC and maybe PC players going well why can't I play with my mate on PS4 and that's one side of it uh, maybe the, the server architect, architecture is very different it says here scrolling down um, text chat is not available on Stadia so there's already an in- inconsistency between those two platforms um, yeah I don't know I don't know, but it would be cool. I'm looking forward to when they do finally add, add the, um, add the crossplay kind of stuff. The other thing is that Stadia is kind of inconsistent with the connections, so you're probably going to see players warping around the screen, or you know, you know that kind of stuff. They're going to be inconsistent with lag, and I think that would reduce the quality of players on PC. I think that's what it comes down to. I don't know. I don't know what. What do you think? Um, that was basically what I was. I was. I was thinking why they wouldn't do cross, cross play with it. I don't know. But the Stadia launch has been something. It's been interesting to see how it's run. Yeah, I was. I was cautiously optimistic, and you know what? I'm glad I didn't pre-order it because I think I probably would have had a bad time. And especially being without internet, I probably wouldn't have been able to play it for like a week. So, there's outside of it too. Um, what else was there? I was actually I was actually interested to buy it when it was first coming out, but... And then it wasn't available. Hey, Eid. We got Eid. We're just uh, doing the podcast, talking about Sadia at the moment. How it's running. Um, yeah. I don't have a lot to say really about it. Um, it... It'd be cool if it worked. The idea of being able to just take a control pad in your bag and then go to your mate's house and just pop it on and you can play is a cool idea. I think that's really good. But as for... We knew it was going to have problems. Until some company comes along and does it perfectly, well, we we will always be cautiously optimistic with it, right? So, Ede is also saying that uh, the Stadia currently has... 1.5% of the player base on any platform what was it hang on have we got the destiny the population data because I think it was like 10,000 or something so roughly nine this is this is like eight days ago 9,960 players logged into destiny 2 so can you imagine trying to get games in crucible you'd probably be playing the same people over and over Forbes says 1.4% of the player base um, and then OT1 saying I don't know if one company can fix it considering it's so reliant on third party infrastructure which is yeah which is a true I I guess you would need to have a standardized I guess platform I don't know and the other problem is I know that it's currently on only on the Google Pixel 4 what PC setup <coughs> what PC setup you got sorry what PC setup you've got or your Google Chrome probably wildly differs as well and then connection with your your uh, Ultra your Chromecast Ultra yep there's so there's it's like PC right PC at least has come to the point where it's very standardized you know you Windows 10 runs more or less the same on most platforms aside from what you install yourself and how do you tinker with yourself but when it comes to Stadia it's the wild west basically but yeah, that's all I can really, uh, all I can really talk about with the Stadia. It's interesting. I'd love to hear your comments. Maybe let me know in the comments. Otherwise, uh, stop by on a, on a future podcast and maybe we can talk about it further. Because coming weeks, we're gonna see how things change for the Stadia, and if it gets better or if it gets worse, I guess we'll see so we're gonna wrap up the stream there we're gonna keep going uh but we'll be wrapping up the podcast here so if you are live here and you've enjoyed the stream regularly run fire teams and we help new folks get started you can find us at twitch.tv slash so click that follow heart for a free way to get notifications and support the channel but everyone else i'll see you in the next podcast please like share and subscribe